afternoon, donkey, everyone. <clears throat> My voice is gone for some reason. <laughs> uh, maybe, um, <clears throat> so it's like gone. I don't know if it's the enemy of the Lord or maybe I shouldn't preach. Don't give us water. Maybe you can just turn to the person next to you and say, it's lacquer to be with you today. And then tell them, I like the smile on your face. But you must smile now and look them in the eyes. <laughs> yes, it's so funny how <clears throat> if, if you would have seen me a week ago planning for tonight and trying to find out what the Lord is doing, I... I liked, went through the book of Daniel and wanted to preach something on Daniel and lots of other stuff. And it's as if the Lord just kept on drawing me. And I'm like, Lord, we speak so much about intimacy. We speak so much about you and your presence and being intimate with you. And, and it just, I, I couldn't get my mind, couldn't get past that. It's just as if the Lord just wants to reveal himself to us. And I think we can't deny it. We see it in the prayer meeting. We see it on the, on the groups and the words that's being given out. And just like really the Lord wants to be with us. He wants to be with us. And um, the, the message that I want to share today, um, if you would give a title to it, it would be called Simplicity. <clears throat> and I think going into this year, and just what, whatever goals you have or whatever, um, your, you know, to-do list you have for today, I think the most important thing that the Lord has on His heart, and I think that's the most important thing, is that, that He wants to be with us, uh, a simplicity um, thing that He created called the gospel and the relationship of Jesus. And even though the gospel and the relationship of Jesus is, is it's not necessarily an easy road, but it's not complicated. He didn't make it complicated for us. It's the good news. And I think if someone says it's the good news, any person should be able to understand the good news. Um, so maybe just right now where you are, it's very easy how we can, how we can think about someone else hearing this word or um, someone else experiencing what we are experiencing. But maybe just while I'm going to pray right now, let's bring our lives before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want to think about anyone else now. I want to reevaluate my life, and I want to bring it to you as a, as a vessel and say, Lord, examine me. Show me, like David said, Lord, show me in my heart where I need to change. Show me um, who you are. So, Jesus, we want to thank you, Lord, that you want to reveal yourself, Lord. You want to reveal yourself more than we want you, Lord. And Jesus, unless, um, unless you're being worshipped here, unless you're being glorified, unless you are in this preach, Lord, there's nothing worth it unless you are here, Jesus. Unless we preach Jesus, nothing is else worth it. We need you, Lord. We pray that you would open our eyes, Lord. Like John says, like he sees this, when, when Jesus speaks, he sees this rivers of water. And, when he, and, he, and his hair is as white as wool. Like, who are you, Jesus? Would you, Lord, come and reveal yourself to us as people, Lord, broken people. We are sinners, Lord. We need you, Lord. Amen. Cool stuff. So <clears throat> I'm going to start with the scripture and just kick off with that. Philippians um, 3, verse 10. 
Um, just maybe, yeah, you can keep it on. So Paul is writing a letter to the Philippian church. <clears throat> and he's starting, oh no, he's not starting, he's, I thought it's chapter one, never mind. But he's writing to this Philippian church. And the one thing that he says in, to the Philippian church, um, he says, one thing I desire of you, it's just before that, um, that I, what scripture is that? Yeah. Just maybe before that? Is there a scripture before that, Gerardo? Okay. Anyone have a Bible here? <laughs> Philippians 3, verse 10. Let's try. I really want the word to speak for himself and not Geetan. So it says, um, Philippians 3, verse 10 says, um, Okay, I got the wrong scripture. <laughs> okay. But in Philippians 3 somewhere, it says that one thing I desire, and I'll give you the scripture later on, I'll post, we'll post it on the PM group or something, but one thing I desire for you is to know Christ. Paul is writing this letter to the church and he's saying, one thing I desire for you is that you would know Christ, and then it goes on and says about its resurrection, and it goes on, but one thing that I want to focus on that the Lord is clearly highlighting is that we would know Christ. And, and um, last year, we ended off about that we, that Jesus is building his church on the revelation of who he is. And if we add our man-made things to it, we're going to see how we're going to drift away from Jesus. Unless we live from a place where Jesus is the center, he's the architect, he's the one building our lives, we're going to lose the point if it's not him. And when we test it through the fire and, and we go through judgment day one day, when someone squeezes you, what would come out? Would it be Jesus? What would it be? And um, about five days, six days ago, four days, sorry, four days ago, we just came, we just arrived from George today, and about four days ago, we were on at Wilderness Beach, and guys, I can't tell you how beautiful the beach was on that day. It's like the clearest water I've ever seen in, in um, Wilderness, like really, like the clearest water uh, the most amazing beach day you can ever imagine. Even the waves and everything was so beautiful. And myself and Bernadette and her family said, we need to go to the beach today. And I was so excited. We've been waiting for this beautiful day um, eventually. And we went in. We even forgot pu putting on, uh, well, putting, we did put on suntan lotion, but we forgot completely to put it on, on our backs and, our, and, and for me on my chest and everything and my face and everything. And just completely forgot about it. I just went in straight to the water, played on the beach. It was such a lack of time. <clears throat> but when uh, hours went past and we eventually ended up going home, that night, I can't tell you the pain I experienced. Not in my voice now. It makes it look sound better. Eh? <laughs> the pain. <laughs> the pain that I experienced um, of the sun. <laughs> like my, my body burned so much. Like... You just see red everywhere. It's like a different geek then. You don't, I didn't even recognize myself when I looked at the mirror. Um, and it's just red everywhere, and it just burns, and I can't sleep. I can't, I can't lie in any side. I need to stand because my feet is the only thing that, doesn't, that didn't really tan. And <clears throat> luckily, and I realized there that, shucks, I need to make a plan. And, and it just, everything I did, I... It, I put on all the lotions you can think of. I even put on baby powder on myself. <laughs> That's how crazy it was. I don't know who does it, but I did it. Um, <laughs> and, well, <clears throat> sorry. 
And when I, when I think it was on day two, the next, yeah, the next day and day three, it went into the next phase. And apparently, according to Google, I don't know if you ever, like, when you experience, like, pain somewhere or, or something is wrong, you go directly to Google. Anyone wants to admit that? I, yeah, thank you, Brigitte. Like, um, <clears throat> then apparently to Google, when you start to itch, it's called, I don't know if you're allowed to say this word in church, but it's called Hell's Itch, okay? And, and that description basically gave it away. Like, that is how I felt. It felt like hell. In, in my way of, I uh, like itched and, and everything is just wrong. And the funny thing is like, when you go through this um, pain and everything, everything changes. The way that you speak to people, it changes. <laughs> the way that, I think I was the lowest Christian to Bernadette's mother and, and to the family there. Like I, I like said to the Lord, Lord, I, I'm so sorry that I'm such a mean Christian. Like, and <clears throat> even when I eat, I can't focus on the nice um, like nachos and, and tacos and everything that I eat. And we had all this lack of food and choppies and everything. Um, like my love language, food. And I couldn't, I couldn't experience it because I, I had so much pain. <clears throat> and I, rem- I, I went to the Lord and I'm like, Lord, you need to take this pain away. I really, I can't live with it. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I can't take it anymore. And with some like time with the Lord, I I actually felt like how the Lord was saying to me that that is exactly how I want you to look like when you're with me. Not in a pain way and everything, but when you're with me, like your lifestyle changed because of the sun, like everything that you did, your circumstances changed because you were in this heat and everything. That's how I want you to be around people and be with me when you spend time with me. That when you are with me, that you that you would be different to people. Not the geet and pine version, but obviously the Christian one. <laughs> but be because you, you've just spent with me, you spent time with me. And if we look in, in Moses' life, he spends time with God on this mountain, and he comes down, and literally in the Word it says that <clears throat> his face shined. And the people that were down at the, at the, at the mountain couldn't, was afraid of Moses because his face was shining. And I really believe, I don't know about you, but I really believe if we are close to Jesus, we won't look the same. It's like that scripture that the end they said, that it's a, it's a radiance that flows. It's, we look different when we are with him. And the question that we need to ask, if, we, if you really want to know if you know Jesus, ask yourself, have you changed? Have you changed are you still the person that you were when you got saved? Are you still that person? Are you, are you reacting because of this love of Him? And um, I, I really trust after tonight that we would go out of this door and we'd say, Lord, it's not about our emotions. It's not about us. It's about you. It's about you. You are building your church. You are the creator. You are the one that it's worthy to be lived for. You are the one. And um, <clears throat> I think if I look at, the, at Scripture and I look at people's lives, how they lived for the Lord, a beautiful example for me of someone that went through an interesting time and searched a lot is Solomon, King Solomon, David's son, 
And um, we all know that Solomon was, um, <clears throat> was a very rich guy. He had a lot of possessions, a lot of wives, and like this, he was this, um, some, to some people, if you go look at church history, some people actually worship Solomon of his wisdom and, and the things that he did. <clears throat> and we see in the book of Solomon, oh, not the book of Solomon, it's not a book of Solomon, <laughs> but we see in Solomon's life in scripture, how he's on this quest of searching the meaning of life. And if you look in scripture, he's, there's a there's a place where he says that there's nothing new under the sun. He's been searched. He searched everything all. We see how um, Solomon started asking the Lord for wisdom. <clears throat> and the Bible says he was a very wise guy. He had the wisdom. And people came from nations to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And he searched for God in the wisdom and the intellectualism. And he thought, is this the meaning of life? And we see how, where this, um, where where after the wisdom, we see how he goes for, for, for pleasure. We know that Solomon has had 700 wives. The Bible says he had 700 wives. Shucks, guys. That's like, I, I need to lead one wife, but I, and she's from the free state. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> he had 700 wives. And he went for pleasure. And he searched his life for pleasure. He was a very rich person, and he, he, he searched for pleasure and, and thought, is this the meaning of life in pleasure? I think after 700 wives, I think you should be able to know if you can find pleasure or not. <clears throat> and then we see the other thing that we see is possessions. Solomon had so much possessions in his life that people came from other places to come and look even just at his wall. If you go and, go and look in church history, there's actually, um, it says that people came from different places just to look at the walls that Solomon had in his, in his kingdom. I don't know about, yeah, in five still of Leafy, no one came to our wall and said, you have a beautiful wall. That's just not, you don't do that. But people came from other places to see just the wall of Solomon. And we see how he's searching for the meaning of life through possessions. And then we see at the end of life, Solomon says, I've searched it all. I've searched everything. Um, I just want to read to you what it said, but he searched everything. And in the end, he says that I've found two things, fear God and keep his commandments. Isn't that next level? He's been, he had the most, he was the one of the richest guy in those times. He had all the wives that he needed. He had all the pleasures that he needed. He had everything that he needed. He searched meaning for life in it, and he found nothing. And all that he could get, the end result was fear God and keep his commandments. And as the preachers called simplicity, I want to simplify it for you today and say that our meaning of life, if we read through Scripture, if we, <clears throat> if we go through it, if we spend time with Jesus, it's to know Jesus and to follow him. To know Jesus and to follow him. But the real question is, how, how does it look like in today's world? How do, we, how do we know Jesus and follow him? Like we see in the Bible that they didn't have iPhones and things like that that distract them really. But what, how, did it, how does it look like for today for us? Because it, it seemed like there was less distractions in those times. They don't go through the th same things that we, that we go through. <clears throat> and... 
And I think, and I think, I don't think it's very different. I think they had other challenges and other battles and things to face. But how does it look like for us today as Christians? Or if you're here and you don't know Jesus, how would it look like for you to follow Jesus and to know him? Um, and I went, uh, I, I heard something the other day and I, it really touched me. And, and it, um, if you in those days, if you, go and <clears throat> if you go and see how they lived in those days and how it looked like if you follow a rabbi, a rabbi was a teacher. And if you followed a rabbi, there's certain things that you were recognized as when you follow a rabbi. And according to, um, according to church history, if you, look at the, if you look at the life of, of Jesus and his followers, there's certain things that, that, you, that would be recognized in you if you follow Jesus he was also called a rabbi. And there's a saying that says, and that's the first thing that I want to say to you. There's a saying that says, may the dust of your rabbi fall on you. And with that, be, that being said, that, that you need to be with him. May the dust of your rabbi fall on you. That, that, that if you wanted to follow Jesus in that time, if you wanted to follow a rabbi in those times, that you would walk so close to that, that even the dust would actually be seen on you. And that's the first thing that I think is very important for us. We need, if we want to follow Jesus, we need to be with him. We need to be as close as possible with Jesus. And the second thing is, we need to become like him and to do what he did. I promise you, if you, well, I know with, with, with married to Bernadette and doing life with her, I don't look, the Geetan that was, uh, was unmarried that time and the Geetan that's now is a, comp, is a little bit different in my life. The way that I dress, the way that I react, the, uh, the jokes that I make, it's different because I started to spend time with Bernadette and I started to do things with her. And, and, and if you would know, if you spend a lot of time with, with someone for a holiday or a weekend, you actually become like those people. You eat the things that they eat. You laugh for the things that they laugh. If you spend time with Venra and Brigitte, this lack of people, you start to make the same jokes that they do. It's so weird, but you just do. And, and I really think if we follow Jesus, we would do the things that he did. And we would become like him. He even said that we will, that we will do greater things that he did. How does it look like? Are you doing the things that Jesus did? Are you becoming like them? If you've been saved for a while, the things that you did in those times, are you doing more things? Are you, are you changing? And I, and I want to throw out a scripture there, and <clears throat> I think it's one of those scriptures that you don't really want to put on your wall because it's quite a scary scripture. And I'll start, it's in Revelations 2. <clears throat> and um, so... What's happening is John, um, those who don't know, uh, know Leonard is always speaking about Peter as this great apostle, but I want to tell you that John is the best, okay? <laughs> John is the best disciple. I wish Leonard was here. I'm so, oh man, shucks, I wish he was here. Um, <clears throat> and it's basically John is sitting on this island called Patmos. And those who don't know about the life of John, John was one of the apostles that... The, uh, one of the followers of Jesus and disciples of Jesus, and they actually tried to boil John, but they couldn't get, they couldn't get rid of him. So eventually they put him on this island 
of Patmos. And on this island, if you go and look at um, the architect in those times and how it looked like the island, it was literally this island. If you go look at this, this, he writes to these churches, but he's writing from a far distance to certain churches. And he's writing to this one church in Revelations 2, verse 1 to 5. It says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, the, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, that's Jesus, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. Jesus is saying they, he knows that they've been enduring. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil. So this church is doing actually good things. They have endurance. They, they cannot bear with evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently. Jesus is calling this church a patient church, and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Just stop there. You have not grown weary. So Jesus is actually saying you're doing quite well as a church. Like if I look at the things on your, um, if I look at you, you're enduring, you're patient, you're doing all these good things, you can't be with evil. But then he says, I know, yeah, but I have, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, do the works you did at first. And I just want to say, before I go on, you can keep the scripture on. He's actually speaking about believers. He's saying that you were once saved. You, you were once a follower of me. You gave a life to me. You ran for me. You loved me. But then he says, but remember from where you've fallen. You've fallen somewhere and, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So it's, this is actually a scary scripture. Jesus is actually saying, if you're not going to repent and do the things that you did at first, when you loved me, and you, I was your first love, I was your own, I'm going to remove that lampstand from you. And I don't want to focus too much on the removing the lamps, but, but it needs to be put in our face. It's like the word, the word is like a mirror, and it's, it's reflecting the word of God, breathed out of God. And, 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 and when we look at it, we should feel convicted. We should feel that something needs to change. Because he's perfect and we're not. And I want to encourage you today <clears throat> that you wouldn't walk out of this door without coming back to your first love. I know, Benedict, love you. I know you said I shouldn't do it, but I'm going to say it. Like, the day that I got saved, I was crazy. I was so in love with Jesus, man. You would have thought I was some weird guy. I like, I, I literally posted on, on Facebook. I got, I got a heavy rebuke of it, but I, I literally posted on Facebook like, if you want to hug Jesus, hug a tree. And as if you are hugging Jesus. That's how, how I love. You can imagine me dreaming through the skies, having this love of Jesus, going to the trees. I was hugging trees because I was so in love with him. And I, I just experienced something that I haven't experienced before. Don't do that. Don't go and hug trees. We don't want Josh to be hug tree church. Please don't do it. <laughs> it, would just, it would just look so weird. But, but what were the things that you did at first? Think about them. Write them down. What are the things that you did at first? 
Repent, therefore. Turn back to those things. And I think, <clears throat> I think it's, it's, it's easier said than spoken. It really is. It's really something worth, uh, loving Jesus is something that we need to fight for. It's something that we need to grow into. It's not just going to happen one day and then your life is sorted. It's something that needs to endure forever. It's something that you need to draw from daily. Jesus says that I am the living water, that we need to drink from that living water every day, that we need to schedule a time and, and actually schedule a time to drink from that water. We need to make that priority in our lives. And um, because this relationship is, is a, a relationship that we need to fight for, you can't just sit back. There's something that you need to do. If you put up your hand today and you say, I am a Christian, you need to fight for that relationship with Jesus. He did it on the cross already. You need to fight for it. Because there's actually scriptures that warns us against that we can fall away from Jesus. There's a scripture that says that there's a, a way that seems right to man. But its end goal is death. There's a way that we can think is right, but we can think wrong. That's the scary part. And um, <clears throat> I just quickly want to go back to John because I like John so much, and I know you do as well. Um, but in, in, John, in John's life, this guy is such an inspiring guy. I don't know why. But we see, I just said that they tried to boil John. And um, we see in the beginning of John, if you go and look at John's life, you'll see that there's, in the beginning when Jesus told him to follow him, and he followed him for a while, John says to, to Jesus, Lord, there's other guys preaching the gospel. Would you send fire down from heaven and, and burn them because we are the ones that need to preach the gospel? That's John. <laughs> John and, and his brother James, they told Jesus to put fire down from heaven. That's not loving. <laughs> and Jesus just says, no, John, that's not how you do it. And then he calls him the son of thunder. Him and his brother James are called the sons of thunder. If Jesus calls you son of thunder, then you know yeah, in Afrikaans, it's a donnerweer. It's a hectic word in church. Eh? Donnerweer, you're a son of thunder. But then we see in the life of John how he starts to walk with Jesus. And he actually says this one part. He says that he speaks to his mother to ask Jesus, Lord, may we sit on the left and the right of you with his brother James. Isn't that a manipulation? Like, he's asking his mother, Jesus is tiny. That, he would, that she would ask him if him and his brother can sit next to him. Yes, that's John. But that's the same John that's been entrusted to the book of Revelations. The same John that saw a vision of Jesus. And, we, and, and in his life, if we go closer to the end of his life, John, we see that actually in John's life, he, he becomes this person that loves and this person that's called the apostle of love, and even in, in his own book, he says, I am the one that Jesus loves. I am the disciple that Jesus loves. And we see this beautiful picture of John putting his head on Jesus' chest, and he just, he just loves him. From a son of thunder, there's someone who's called the apostle of love. Love, the apostle of love. And isn't that beautiful? How God can change it. <laughs> It's beautiful. And in the same way that, that Jesus changed John's life by just spending time with him, 
Jesus wants to change our lives. Maybe some of us are called sons of thunder or daughters of thunder. Uh, Martha is laughing. We call Martha and, and Bernadette, we call them the daughters of thunder in this church. But Jesus also call, calls them that he loves them. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. In 1 John 1, it says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, this is John writing, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to, it, to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John is writing to these people and saying, we can't keep quiet about this Jesus that we are experiencing. We can't. We've seen Him. We've touched Him. We've tasted Him. They're trying to tell John and the disciples to stop preaching Jesus. But he says we can't because our joy is actually being filled as we share about Jesus. And I really believe that as we share Jesus in our lives and we know him and we spend time with him, our joy may be filled, that we would experience something different when we go out. <clears throat> and I think, I wrote here, as if unbelievers can't see the difference in our lives, there's something wrong. I think too much... Churches and believers are looking more like the world than they're looking like Jesus and his followers. Are you looking different from the world? If you're not, there is something wrong. You need to look different from the world. That's why these people are being stopped and boiled and persecuted, because they're sharing something different, something that gives life, something that brings light into a dark world. But people's eyes are being like they're being convicted, and they're seeing this light, and they're in this darkness, and, and does your life shine Jesus? Does it shine the light that Jesus called you to? But like we said, it is, it, is, it, is a, it is a fight. It is something that we need to fight for. And I want to say to you, and I think I'm also almost going to end off with this, that I think there's two things that I want to say that I think is important for us practically, how we can how we can be intimate with Jesus. I want to say to you, it takes discipline to follow Jesus. You need to be disciplined to follow Jesus. I said to Benedict, I want to start, as I was preparing, the Lord, when, you, when you want to preach, I think the Lord sometimes takes you through a test before you preach because He doesn't want you to preach something that you haven't gone through. But even more, like I told her, I want to put on an alarm on my phone to spend time with Jesus a certain amount of time in the day because uh, the, much, the more I follow him, the more I realize I need him. Are you setting an alarm? Are you setting something that reminds you and saying, this is my time of Jesus? Really, guys, we need to prioritize. If we're not going to prioritize it, if we're not going to schedule it, our tendency is always going to be to skip it. It's us. It's, we're sinners. We're not perfect. We need to, we need to be disciplined. And I think the second thing is that it, when we follow him, there's things that the Lord speaks to us that we don't always want to hear. If you're in a church like this, 
there's most probably going to be something that people are going to say that's going to offend you. There is going to be, because it's the Lord, spending, uh, the Lord speaking through people to you. And there's even going to be times in worship or your times with Jesus where He says something to you. But like the Word says that our itchy ears want to hear what they want to hear. We don't want to hear Jesus. We don't want to hear Him because He brings light. He brings life. And we're blinded sometimes to it. And I would, I would love to say, uh, share the scripture of John 6. It's a part where Jesus shares these teachings to these people. And it's actually disciples. They are called disciples that listen to the spirit, that Jesus, the teachings that Jesus is giving. And right after that, it says, after this, many of his disciples, not unbelievers, of Jesus' disciples, turned back and no longer walked with him. Next. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go? as well. Just stop there. Do you want to go as well? If you are a Christian here, Jesus is speaking to us as well. He's saying, are you still going to follow me? Do you want to go as well when it gets hard, when it gets difficult, when you don't really want to spend time with me? Do you want to go as well? Because I don't like 90%. I want everything. It's either everything in or not. You need to choose. It actually is actually in Revelation it says, Jesus writing to this other church, and he says that you are lukewarm. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're lukewarm, and I'd rather, I'd rather spit you out of my mouth. That's how Jesus feels about lukewarm Christians. And I know we hear this a lot, but are we really in it for him? Is it, if, it gets, if it gets difficult, if things are taken from you, do you really do you want to stay? And I think Jesus wants to say this to us. Do you want to go as well? And then they reply, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. I don't think I can, I don't think myself or anyone else can say the most, we can think, think of the most practical things ever to try and encourage us as a church to, or anyone to, to say, this is the practicalities to do with him. But it's not. It's, we need to be with him. We can think of practical ways till we get blue, but we won't find him unless we are with him. Like the dust, so, the dust is actually falling on him. To be changed when we are with him. He holds the eternal life. To know Christ. It's eternity. It's to know Christ. And Andrew, Andrew, the guy who started the church, Andrew Sally says, he says, he says this quote, and I hear it continuously in, in our church. He says, each one needs to find Christ for himself. Every one of us, we, you need to make the decision to find Christ for yourself. The believers can encourage you, we worship, we do all these things so that we can draw closer to him. But it's your, it's your decision that you need to draw closer to Christ. And I promise you, you're going to miss out on this year of the simplistic thing of following Jesus. It's not complicated. Yes, it's difficult. And sometimes it's, it's not that difficult. Sometimes it is easier. But you need to find Christ for yourself. And I think the last thing that, that Leonard or anyone wants to see when they walk in this church is these people that are fake. <laughs> on a Sunday, they... 
they worship me, and they do these things like someone gave a word, that we worship the Lord and we praise Him. Oh, but are we coming to Him? Is He the one, the source of life that we want to be with? So maybe, maybe just as you close your eyes, let's just close our eyes. And I don't want to, I'll give over to Hen right now to give an opportunity to some of us, but as you are right now, forget about everything else. Forget about everything else, about this year, about the priorities. And I want you to, to ask yourself and reevaluate your life. But do you love Jesus? Do you want to be with him? You can only love Jesus as much as you experience his love. Do you know his love? And Lord, we pray right now, Jesus. Lord, as we are hungry and thirsty for you, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes, that you would convict us from where we have been. That if we're not living this life for you, Lord, we're actually living it for nothing. Jesus, you hold the words of eternal life, Lord. You are the life giver. If we need a way, you are the way. If we need the truth, you, Jesus, are the truth. And if we need life, you are life. Maybe we can just just start to speak to Jesus right now. Just tell him, Lord, I've heard this thing so many times, but it's you that makes this thing alive to me. Lord, would you turn our eyes to you, Jesus? As a church, we want to cry out. We want to say, Lord, Jesus, it's all about you. Lord, we want to know you. We don't want to, we don't want to be a church like the Philippians who had forgotten about their first love. We want to repent of our ways and we want to turn to you. Jesus, it's all about you, Lord. One thing that I want to say, just with Keaton's message, um, more for me personally, more than what he said, it's in a sense how he said it and with what he said it. That Keaton is not just somebody that, in a sense, preaches the word of Jesus, but he carries the word of God within him. And I want him, in a sense, to be an example for all of us and to look to him. And it says that Paul also asked the churches to look to Paul and says, follow me as I follow Christ. That we look, in a sense, to a man, but the man is carrying something of a relationship, of a realness, uh, of following Christ. And I want to ask all of us, are we carrying, in a sense, the life that Gideon is carrying? That when we look at his life, is there something that you resonate with or is it that you look at him that it reflects into your heart and you say, I don't have what he has? Is there a realness to my relationship with God? You might be serving God. You might be even calling yourself a Christian um, and you might be even walking with the Lord, but there is a sense of, oh, Lord, I've been missing it. That there's moments that, Yes, God, there's more for me. There's more for me. 
and that we need to come back to the source, the simplicity of not finding our worth and our identity in things. I remember sitting, and I'm ending with this, and then you can make a moment to pray, but I remember when I was still in Wellington, we've been a part of this congregation for about three months, four months now. Um, somebody phoned me, and it was the person was um, almost a bit crying and saying, Henry, you need to come immediately. There's this one guy, um, things are not going well. And I'm like, okay, I'll come. I don't know the guy. I walked into a room, and there was sitting this, this guy in front of me, about 19, 20 years old. And it felt like as I walked in that room, I walked into, in a sense, a person that, that is, is alive but is dead. It's like literally death is staring me in the face. I tried to speak hope into this guy's life, and he tried to commit suicide that week. He went to um, prison two weeks before that. Uh, he's, he's selling drugs, and this guy is just, is, is just, in a sense, I'm looking at death itself. And I'm like, as I'm speaking to him and trying to speak about my own life and speaking about the life of Jesus, it just seems like nothing is working. And I looked at him and I felt the Lord speak to my heart and to tell him something. And I told him, I want to encourage you today and I'm going to leave now. I want to encourage you to go do a lot of drugs. I want to encourage you to go sleep around. I want to encourage you to go drink and smoke and go crazy. Go, go for it. I want to encourage you. I'm a, I'm a pastor, but I want to encourage you to go do that. But when you are done, come back to me and tell me how empty that was. And I walked away, and he, that guy went to the, to the lady that phoned me and said, yes, see, that was a waste of my time. And I felt burdened for this guy, the deep emptiness Brigitte still remember like I've never seen a person that far away from the Lord two weeks later I, had, I, I was speaking um, with all my leaders I led a youth back then and I spoke about this guy and this weight of just nothingness and the pursuit of nothingness that this guy is going on and they like stop it right there Ray. that guy rocked up at our church last Sunday he gave his life to the Lord. He came back. And they, that nothingness that he was pursuing, he said that it was useless. And his life is only found in Christ. And I know there's others sitting amongst you. I know Jock's testimony, Lundy's testimony. There's a sense of they, they've, they've experienced the nothingness that this world can give and the satisfaction that is found in Christ. Let that be the simplicity of us as a congregation that we count everything as lost but we've gained Jesus so I'm gonna for last time I know we've prayed a lot but it is fun <laughs> I'm gonna pray one more time for us but if you are here maybe for the first time it's been different for you myself Godfrey to me um, Geet and Bernadette anyone that's called himself a Christian can stand here in front Come to us, come speak to us, and if there's something in your heart that I'm, I, I might be missing this, there might be something of a lack in my heart, and I need more, I want more, 
maybe the December holidays has not been going that well for you. That even you've tried out different things and you're like, shucks, I've messed up in right. I want to say there's grace found with Jesus. As we come, as we are, repent, turn away from our old life and say, Jesus, yes, I'm broken, but I still want to follow you. I want to encourage you. Let's pray with you. Let's find Jesus with you. Let's run with you as you run with us. Let's do this thing. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for the life and love and grace and freedom and mercy and probably the greatest of all, peace that's found in Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for simplicity. You, di- you didn't make it hard for us to come close, God. You made it actually so easy that there's actually just one way to get to the Father, and that's through Jesus. It's just so simplistic. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. So, Father, come in, place in us a great hunger and desire to know Jesus Christ and Him crucified that this is eternal life, that we may know Jesus and that we will find our refuge in Christ. Amen.